This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back. A bonus edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. This bonus episode in light of the breaking news on Wednesday that Hunter Dickinson entering his name in the NBA draft. Uh, it, it, this is not a sign or signal of his intent to definitely remain in the draft. Uh, I think uh, people need to be brought up to speed on the process that uh, to let them know that this is not what that means. At the same time, to sort of, uh, for us, to provide some analysis on what the scouts are saying, what he can show, what he can glean from this process, even if he decides, like most people I talk to think he's going to do, and that's pull his name out of it down the line. But who better to talk to about this process than a guy who was a first-round draft pick out of the University of Michigan, a star big man himself, played in the NBA for nearly a decade, and since then has been one of the top broadcasters in the game, whether you're talking about Detroit Pistons broadcasts or a color co- his color commentary on college basketball broadcasts. I'm talking about my friend, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm enjoying the summer. It's it's great. I'm I'm glad we finally have warm weather. Um, I'm I'm enjoying seeing people's faces and smiles. A lot of masks are coming down, and and I'm also enjoying the NBA playoffs and all of the things that come with it, like getting ready for the draft combine and figuring out who's in the draft and who's out of the draft. A lot of good stuff to talk about, Sam. Absolutely. So for those who aren't aware, uh, the early entry application deadline for the NBA draft is May 30th. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, decision had to be made along those lines for for Hunter Dickinson. And maybe a little bit of a surprise to us here externally that he decided to enter his name in that process when there are some clear, you know, some, some clear things in his game that he, he needs to work on. But let's just start first, Tim. Uh, talking about what a guy, let, let's say, put yourself in Hunter Dickinson's shoes. Let's role play a bit. Put yourself in Hunter Dickinson's shoes and tell me what you think you can you can glean, what you can get from being a part of this process, even if you think before the withdrawal deadline, which is July 19th, even if you feel like you're going to pull your name out of it eventually, what do you think you, you can get out of this? Valuable intel, first and foremost, to find out, number one, are you draftable right now? Um, I would think that being an All-American and um, you know having immense skill, that he would be a, a second-round draft pick um, right now. But but is that a good thing? No, not really, because that means that you're going from a position at Michigan where you're getting mentored and tutored by Juwan Howard and an excellent coaching staff each and every day. You're being showcased on a high-level stage where people are watching you. You're on ESPN, the Big Ten Network, and your, your games are being consumed by NBA scouts. Um, the, the next thing is that you, you want to find out from the teams, 
what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are they like? What, what are their concerns? For instance, he's already a little bit of an older player for being a freshman. That's not a good thing. Um, they, they also want to see how is, how is his perimeter game? Because with the, the stretching of the floor, um, and we're seeing that with Andre Drummond and the Lakers right now. You know, Andre Drummond is a post player, and and some feel that he's clogging up the middle and making it harder for LeBron and Dennis Schroeder and, and some of their drivers to get to the rim. Um, they, they want centers that can play on the perimeter. Uh, is that something he's capable of? And and the good news is that the, the draft combine is, I think, June 21st or so. So he, he can go through that process and then still pull his name out if he doesn't like what, what he's hearing from the NBA teams. Um, another advantage is that they can hire what, what I think is called an NCAA agent Correct. where they can, they can have somebody working for them, finding out a little bit more about um, what their options are and what they would make in, in each slot. So I, um, I was quite frankly a little surprised that that hunter waited this long because it's val- valuable information if your goal is to play in the nba right uh, so a couple of things you are absolutely right the nba draft combine june 21st through the 27th uh so the valuable information that you can glean from you know s- kind of seeing up close and personally what the competition is like and i i think as much as anything this is about that so you know learning what the field has to offer because i I don't think that there is a scout or a coach in the NBA better equipped to tell Hunter Dickinson what he needs to work on than Jawan Howard. I mean, you can get that in-house. He can tell you exactly what you need to work on to round out your game, offensively and defensively. And I tell you what, Hunter's already – if, and I'm sure that he sees this, he's already made huge improvements as a defender, Tim, because I tell you what, coming out of high school, that was – that was labeled as a deficiency. I remember talking to his coaches about it, and they were saying, you know, he's gotten better. He's shown more range on the defensive end of the floor. He's he's showing the ability to be a little more of a rim protector because he's a little more nimble. You come to Michigan, you get in better shape with, with Sandman, with John Sanderson. You learn to understand ball screen coverages and playing defense away from the basket a little bit better. But you get deep into the season, and you see Hunter, he's not John Teske on ball screen coverages, but he's much better than he was given credit for coming out of high school. So you've already seen the Jawan Howard influence. To your point, second-round pick right now probably in the eyes of most scouts, you're more equipped to know that than than most people with your affiliation with the NBA. So that piece of it, I'm convinced he can get all that from Jawan Howard. The thing that I think he can get from this process, Tim – is figuring out where he stands relative to everyone else, where he mm-hmm. stands relative to the other big men in this draft. News came down today, Kofi Coburn staying in the draft. What is it? What's the outlook? An agent, NCAA certified agent, can keep an eye on. Well, what does the next crop of guys look like? And, you know, how might you slot if you make XYZ improvements? I agree with you. He said this is a this is an information gathering experiment, which could lead to staying in the draft. But I just did not get the impression that that's the likeliest outcome. Right. And the fact that Kofi Coburn stayed in, I I think that long term Hunter has more upside. Um, But Kofi put his name in the draft, I believe, last year, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And so 
the, the process I think for Hunter is go through the interview process, go through the draft combine. If nothing else, Sam, it's another life experience that's going to make him a little wiser, a little bit stronger, a little more confident. Um, and and if, if he has another All-American year, I would say next year he's probably more likely to take that shot. But from what he will learn, I think that the NBA scouts are going to say, you know, Hunter, you, you look like you're in, in good shape. We think you're capable of being in great shape. You know, really sculpt your body. This this is a very important year. What can you do conditioning wise so that five or six minutes into the game, you're not tugging on your shorts like coach, give me a rest here. You know, can can you play till the, the 12 minute mark? Um, another thing is, point. Yeah. I think that he's I think he's capable of making a 15 foot jump shot. And and so 25,000 shots this summer is going to serve him well. Um and, and then then maybe most important of all, that that by putting your name out there, you're increasing your brand with the NBA teams. You're, you're causing them to evaluate you. Like right now, they may be saying, well, Hunter has great potential, but we, we don't have to make a decision right now. We don't really have to dig deep into his tape because he's not coming out. Well, now it's possible that he is. And you're making the NBA take a look at you and, and try to figure out what they like and what they don't like. And if they don't like something, they'll, they'll let you know and you can try to correct it. Yeah, it's a great stuff, great perspective from, from you, Tim. Now, I don't want to give the impression to people as they hear us break this down that there's zero chance that he, he stays in the draft. I mean, there's absolutely a chance. It's absolutely mm-hmm. a possibility. I mean, he could, you know, one team could just be like, look, we love you so much, we guarantee you. We are taking you in front. And it only takes one team. Now, is that likely, though? We're, we're dealing in likelihood here. And I do not think that that is the likely scenario because of all of the factors, as you put on your scouting hat, Tim, uh, that you laid out. And let's just let's give people sort of a comparison. So uh, you mentioned Kofi Coburn being in the draft last year. You imagine his stock is improved this year, so he benefited from that. But another guy who entered his name in the draft last year and came back is Luca Garza. So how, how would you sort of compare Hunter to Luca Garza? You know, his his offensive ability and how it translates to the to the NBA, the question marks about Luca that made him come back as the Big Ten player of the year. He came back. So kind of come do that comparison for me. Well, I think that Luca Garza is a better NBA prospect long-term because he's already established that he can make threes and play on the perimeter. Um, I, I don't think either player is exceptional from NBA standards of what they're looking for with their big guys. Um, let me take it one step further. I, um, I, I go back a few years. Tell me if you like this comparison. I thought Isaac Haas from Purdue – was an excellent, excellent Big Ten player. And and I did not ever think of him as an NBA guy. Mm-hmm. And some people thought, well, he, he's just massive and he moves pretty well and, and NBA teams can find a place for him. No, they can't. You know, mm-hmm. I think he went to Utah and, and he's probably making a ton of money somewhere, but it's not as a pro in the NBA. The NBA is a very specific style. It's, it's extraordinarily fast. And what they want, 
are your big guys to be 94 foot rim sprinters end to end. They want you to be able to be a rim protector. They want you to be able to set a, a strong elbow screen and with without, fouling, steps, without fouling, without fouling, without fouling, you sound a little bitter there. I, I'm, not, I I mean, I'm not, not bitter, but this is this is something he can show. I mean, I, I no, say no. it as a as an observation Tim. how many times have we talk about that during the season? Yep. Well, you're, you're right. And and look, there, there are 20 different NBA skills. There's there's the ability to dribble and pass and shoot and play defense and contest shots. Well, one of them is being able to set an excellent screen, fundamental roll to the rim. And what they want is like Clint Capella. Can you set that screen at the elbow and, and, and roll and within three steps be able to catch a lob dunk right now? I don't think that the Hunter is there. Um, I don't know if he'll ever get there, but he can certainly improve with the fundamentals mm-hmm. of setting the screen, being solid and knowing exactly when to drop that roll foot and, and, and not get a foul. Mm-hmm. And I want to be fit. What you, what, Sam, what do you what do you think about the Isaac Haas? Yeah, I, I think so. You're right in that. I just don't think that there ever was a play. I mean, you, you got to be able to at least defend the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, even I, I just never saw him being able to survive. He's not a 94 foot guy. He, right. he will never survive, uh, you know, on a switch. Not not, not at that level. There's just I, I just never saw it. Just never saw it. And I'm far from an NBA scout. But I think Hunter. First of all, in fairness to him on the screen part, like I tried to be during the season, you know, a lot of those moving screens, those calls on him weren't his fault. I mean, your your guards have to allow for that screen to be set before mm-hmm. they start to use it. And there there were several instances where his guards hung him out to dry and got the foul called on him. Now, there are other times where that's all Hunter. But here, here's the thing, whether it's, whether it's Isaac Haas, or Luca Garza, who is a much better player than Isaac Haas, certainly offensively, but even defensively. I yep. think that Hunter Dickinson has more defensive potential than Luca Garza. I will tell you why. And I, you, you being the big man expert and the former big man himself uh, can, can tell me if I'm wrong or not. I just think that what we saw from Hunter last year uh, and his evolution as a defender, seeing him in high school and hearing his coaches kind of talk about him, the way he changed his body, the way that he really took to coaching and started to understand, I think, defense a lot better and ball screen coverages, and the way that we saw him do a formidable job on switches. I just think he moves his feet better than, than Luca Garza. Could he take that up another level? I certainly think so. You mentioned being in better shape. I think there's another level to come with uh, you know, another year with John Sanderson, that'll put him on another level. I, do I ever think he will be an elite, you know, athlete on par with, you know, some of the top tier NBA guys? No, but could he survive in that league where at least you could use his strengths as a back to the basket guy, uh, you know, a really fundamental low post threat that is going to be able to stay on the floor, can run the floor better than we saw, can can defend ball screens. I think he can show that. I think he has that potential with another year, more so than I think Luca Garza would ever achieve, no matter how many years he spent in college. Sam, I agree completely with what you're saying. But let me offer a different perspective, because here is what the executives from the the Phoenix Suns are saying. Okay, we're playing against the Pacers, and and 
he's going to have to cover DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner. And all of a sudden there's a pick and roll and you know, they're going to get him in a pick and roll situation where he switched on to Malcolm Brogdon as an example, or he's covering Clint Capella. And then all of a sudden they're going to, they're going to run pick and roll to switch him onto Trey young. Can he keep a quick guard in front of him at the NBA level? I think he can definitely improve his post defense, but who's really playing post up basketball in the NBA? It's all about pick and roll it defense. Sure is. Can you play in space? Can you can you rotate and be able to help somebody that's driving? Can you cover DeAndre Ayton? Because he will go inside a little bit, but all of a sudden you're switched on to Chris Paul. And mm-hmm. and so those are the type of questions that he's gonna have to answer with his footwork. Right. Not there yet. But I think that he, you know, he can improve for sure. Right. And I, I guess I, I really want to give Hunter a lot of credit because in a year's time, I think he made more progress in that department than I think most than a lot of people expect. You hear a lot about, hey, you know, we, we knew Hunter was going to be successful. I think they're talking about offense. I really do. I mean, they you, you see how effective a low post, even going over just one shoulder, you see how effective he is at that. You see how, you know, he could really – he was a better finisher than I think a lot of people thought he would be. But when you talk to his coaches in high school, whether it's his high school coach or his AAU coach, they were they would always talk about, man, he – you know, he's he's made a lot of progress with his, with his body. He's made a lot of progress defensively as if to say, man, that's something – you know, that's a part of his game that he's really had to work a lot more on. And to see him not be a liability – in ball screen scenarios last year, I think was a true revelation for him. And whether if you're his family, if you're his coaches, if you're his advisors, you got to be thinking, man, that that has to show you the possibilities. Like if he made that much progress in one year, how much more progress could he make in order to maybe convince NBA teams, to your point, that he won't be a liability in an NBA setting, which will be even tougher dealing with the quickness at the guard position at that level. Yes. And, and, and remember this, Sam, when you get to the NBA, you better be ready to play because there is a lot of talent out there. There's a ton of guys in the G league that, that, that can really play and, and you better be ready to showcase yourself or you're going to be in Europe in a very quick amount of time. Um, Also, what happens if he comes back? I, I'm not convinced just based on what I've seen. He, you know, we saw him take some threes. We saw him take some perimeter jump shots. I, I'm not convinced he's ever going to be a, a pure shooter. Um, but, but what you would hope is that like when you watch Mason Plumley from the Pistons, that's a guy that has adapted his game. He's very agile. He's become an unselfish passer. He doesn't turn the ball over. And he's very good in pick and roll situations, pick and lob. Um, th- those are the type of things that a, a modern day center can excel at. Also, the other piston center, Isaiah Stewart. In college, he only made five threes his entire first year. Now, all of a sudden, though, you can see that, that, that the NBA knew he was capable because his shot form is excellent. And he's proven himself to be a guy that down the road – you really have a lot of confidence that he can be a legitimate three-point shooter. I just I have not watched Hunter Dickinson shoot threes or perimeter shots and felt like that looks really smooth. It looks a little mechanical to me, 
And and that's something else that when you get to the league, they're they're going they're going to stereotype you immediately. Mm-hmm. That if if you if you don't show that you can knock down a shot with consistency, they're going to label you a non-shooter, and that's a tough thing to break. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of latitude he's given in that regard uh, with Juwan, assuming, like most expect to be the case, assuming that Hunter comes back. Because I watch Hunter in high school. I watched him shoot and hit threes. Now, would I call him a three-point shooter? Would I call him a stretch five? Of course not. Of course not. But does he, you know, is that a glimpse of his potential? Uh, You know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, part of it is what do they emphasize? What do they allow for you to do? I'll, I'll always remember Terry. Terry Mills didn't. He said, <laughs> Terry says, "Hey man, I can shoot in high. I mean, I can shoot in college, just like I shot in high school. They wouldn't let me shoot uh-huh. in, in college. Well, so, you know, yeah. At at the top 100 camp, I saw no shot attempts by Hunter Dickinson outside of the paint. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to him, his shot might be." A lot better than I think it is. The problem is I have not seen Michigan practice. I I have not been there in person for a game where I could watch him before the game and um, at halftime and so on. Um, So he might be a a much better perimeter shooter than I think. And and he'll he'll get that opportunity at the draft combine. And and Sam, I mean I've got a thought on this, but what do you do if you're Michigan? If if the the day the day before he has to pull out his name, he says no, I'm staying in. What do you do if you're Michigan? Uh, it's a tough question, tough spot to be in. Uh, you, there's, I think it'd be impossible to fill that hole. Um, you know, your your outlook just changes dramatically at that point. You look and see if there's some some help at that late date, uh, and the portal very doubtful that w- that would be the case. I think you got to go with what you have if. You know, is is it still a possibility that you could call up old Austin and see if there's, <laughs> hey, hey, Austin, guess what? <laughs> You're the we, man. We got You're a spot. <laughs> you know, I, again, I'm just throwing that out there, Tim. I have no idea, you know, what Austin's plans are, what he'd be doing, whether that'd be something he would be receptive to at all. But you asked me, what, what would you do at that late day? Most likely you got to roll with who you have and sort of figure it out. Uh, it moves a guy like Musa Giabate up in in the dynamic and same thing with will cheddar so now will cheddar becomes a guy as a true freshman that factors into the mix uh in a way that he probably and i say probably because i never want to put a ceiling on a guy but in a way that he probably doesn't right now and you just got to roll the dice with what you have yeah so i um i asked myself the same question and my first response was exactly the same as yours Get Austin on the phone now. Like you can get your PhD. You've been here long enough, um, and and the the promise of being the starting center would would be very appealing, I think. But I think the, there's another option, and so I don't want the Michigan fans to panic or worry too much about it, because there are going to be some guys that have their name in the portal. I'm sorry, in the the NBA draft, testing the waters right now, like Hunter is that are not going to like what they hear and will return to college. Um, you know, some names off the top of my head, Charles Bassey has always been a, a high regarded recruit. I um, went to Western Kentucky. I don't think he's going to be a first round draft pick. And, and so if a guy like that or Dayron Sharp, who was at North Carolina, um, a local kid, Isaiah Jackson was at Kentucky. Like, I think he's probably going to stay in the draft. But, but I think there will be somebody 
that is going to not like what they hear and decide to return to college. And that is another opportunity for Juwan to make that call and say, you know what, we want you, we need you, come join us. So don't don't be dis- full of despair that this could still work out pretty darn well. And I do think that Hunter will return. Right. So to give you the pertinent dates again, June 21st through the 27th, the NBA Draft Combine, he almost certainly will go through that. Almost certainly will go through that. Yep. Uh, and the, the draft lottery is the 22nd. And then the early entry deadline, uh, withdrawal deadline, I should say, is July 19th. Uh, and so, you know, I would anticipate if if you're, you're Michigan, if you're Jawan Howard, you're looking at that window shortly after the, the draft combine uh, to try to get an idea if what your expectations are at this point are, are still in line with what Hunter is thinking shortly after the uh, the draft combine, because if if they're not if they're not in alignment and Hunter is really thinking about leaning towards staying, uh, and now you got to start trying to work that any other avenues that you can try to work. So I anticipate this not being something that goes all the way to the 19th of July for him to come up with a uh, with a decision. And I want to repeat everyone that I've talked to about this. They expect for him to go through, use this as an exploratory mission, if you will, gather information, you know, sort of get a feel for what the field looks like, where he sits in the field, and then come back to Michigan for a sophomore year. Exactly. And the nice thing is that I believe Hunter and Juwan and his coaches have such a strong relationship that Juwan is encouraging the, the information process. And, and throughout the whole thing, Juwan's going to know exactly how he's doing and he's going to know the intel. And if it starts to look like Hunter is blowing up and he's, he's very popular with the NBA scouts, Juwan's going to know it before anybody else and he can be proactive. Absolutely. Well, how about this though, to give you a little preview of a potential, you know, uh, you know, two man game tandem for Michigan, Hunter Dickinson and, to, and Devontae Jones. Devontae Jones is actually our guest on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider, set to air in a couple of weeks. So right now, I'm going to give you a little snippet, a couple of minutes of our chat with Devontae Jones. Just to wet your whistle, here is Devontae Jones. So you had a lot of options. Why is Michigan the right fit for your game? Um, I just looked at the roster. Um, it, it just fit me. You know, we got a, a special guy, Hunter, coming back. Probably the best big in the country, in my opinion. You know, Eli Briss coming back. One of the best two-way players, in my opinion, who can defend it. You know, who can pass it. Also, who can score when needed. Uh, we got Jordan. You know, a great, um, versatile big. That's going to help. Uh, we got Jace. You know, you got Zeb. You know, it's all those guys. Then you got the talented freshman coming in. And it just brought it all together. It's a good mixture of vet- veterans and, uh, and freshmen. So, and also with the, the fan base, man, and Auburn showed a lot of love. You know, once they find out, you know, Juwan Howard reached out to me, you know, just a lot of people came following me, you know, just showing me their interest. And, and it felt like home already, and I ain't even been to Ann Arbor yet. So, and with the with the final being, you know, talking to Howard Isley, you know, Coach Howard, you know, all the coaches, they're just telling me what my role was and how I could be a big factor in this team winning. So, after all that, man, it just felt like home. So, I just felt like Michigan was the right fit for me. So, and Michigan obviously feels like you're the right fit for them with everything that you could do on the court. Why don't you take us back through your 
through your career, Devontae, because I said in the intro that you wore a lot of hats. I mean, it felt like some seasons just kind of looking back over them. You, they wanted you to, you know, dish it a little more, be a little more balanced. Then it seemed like this last year, they said, hey, man, we need you oh, to yes, go sir. get it. Uh, being that coach for three years, you know, uh, my game changed a lot. You know, coming in as a freshman, I was so small. They didn't really have no, no weight on me. You no know, getting bumped around, pushed around a lot my freshman year. So, come back that sophomore year, I had to uh, gain a lot of weight, you know, a lot of muscle. You know, I'm expanding my range from the three-point line. You know, that, was, that was an ox in my game. They said I couldn't really shoot it, so I just, you know, worked on a lot of threes. No, um, sophomore year, you know, I had to pass more. You know, we, uh, we had injuries, so I was forced to pass more, play, play a lot of the one, which helped me a lot. I'm a game out, you know, can't come back to my junior year. You know, I was always um, in a position where I had to score for my team to win. That's why my assist numbers went down. But, you know, me coming to Michigan, you know, my first, my first job is to pass. And I want to pass first, you know, and just let everything else take care of itself. So, Tim, obviously a lot more to come from our conversation with Devontae, a guy who, as we talk to him, he is really anticipating what a dynamic duo he and Hunter could be for Michigan next year. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and and that's the future of the game. Space the court, play with an aggressive point guard that can get downhill, that can be creative. Um, I, I could see that being a championship caliber combination at the one and the five for Michigan. Absolutely. And of course, like I said, you hear the full interview with Devontae Jones on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider set to air in a couple of weeks where we will give you the latest and the greatest in Michigan basketball. At that time, you will have by the time we do our next episode, Ty Rogers will have been on his official visit. So there will be that to talk about and much, much more on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.